0: Hola! Welcome to Made in Canada, an agricultural podcast. This is episode 6, Pandemic in the Fields. My name is Mateo Severo and I am your host for this episode. Pedro Chamale asked me to guide you through this episode because I was one of the original five actors who did not get the opportunity to perform the play at the heart of this project last May. When Pedro asked me to be the guest host, he also recorded a conversation we had about me and my relationship to this project.
1: Thank you so much for hosting the podcast. For those listening at home, I know you probably already introduced yourself. Please tell us a little bit about who you are.
0: Absolutely. My name is Mateus Severo, like a wave, Mateus. (laughs) Um, He, him pronouns. I'm from Brazil, born and raised. I've been living in Vancouver since 2018. I came here to actually deepen my acting studies at Studio 58, and I've just graduated, so... This is me doing one of my first professional activities after studio. Look at that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
1: Tell us a little bit about your journey to this project.
0: Yes. So the good thing about being in a studio was that I was also able to make incredible connections. It's funny because in Brazil, rice and beans it's actually the foundation of our um, diet, you know? It's rice, beans, a salad, and a beef, and maybe a fried egg on top, you know? That's the base of our diet in Brazil. So when I've heard that there was a rice and beans theater company here, I was like, oh no, I gotta work with them. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I heard about the Made in Canada auditions, I was so excited because one of the things that you asked was uh, strong physical theater presence, and also um, some singing, some musical background. And it was exactly what I had to offer. So I was so excited to be part of that project. I was like, yes, that would be the opportunity. So I got to the audition. I was so excited and was so excited to work with you all. I didn't actually even uh, remembered I was uh, doing an audition. I was just so excited to work with you all that I was just there and doing things and being crazy. and. It's funny because one of the reasons that I actually chose Canada is because my student visa allowed me to work here. So through the work that I would do in the country with the actual currency, the Canadian dollar, I would be able to actually pay for my tuition. Which ties in a weird way with um, how the migrant workers actually come to Canada to work. There's this weird feeling of the possibility of making money coming here, especially because this um huge difference from currency exchanges, you know. So I don't know, it's just funny to 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 realize how how important that is, how easier it gets to actually make money here in comparison to make money either in Mexico or in Brazil. Mm.
1: Did you know of the program before hearing of this project?
0: Oh, I had no idea. I think, as everyone else that tries to get their groceries done and their tasty vegetables and fruits and organic things and saving foods, I wasn't aware at all of how what what was the the chain of happenings of things that would happen in order to that food to get there.
1: When you were cast in the play, I mean, I know it's an actor thing to do. You do your research and start doing things. Did you start doing any research uh, as we started leading towards production?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually did. And it really amazed me to understand how how rough the reality was for those workers. And the first thing that I actually thought by reading all those things was why don't the Canadians want to do that in the first place? Why do they have to actually hire people? Why it's so beneficial to them to hire people from um, another country, especially Mexico? And um, that became very very um, easy to understand when you understand how poor is the quality of life of those workers, how cramped they are in bunk beds. It's not even beds, and it's also, so funny to realize that even in one of those interviews that I've listened to already, maybe was um, episode number five or, or something. Um, go check it out, guys. Um, <laughs> how they were so happy with the most basic things because the workers also knew that it could have been so much worse
1: what was it like for you to know that these were verbatim stories or stories that were based on actual happenings here in in the country?
0: It was both amazing and terrifying. (laughs) Amazing in a way that um, I might be saying something very wrong right now, but I don't think like most of us, that are actually connected to the project, we actually had that kind of experience. We, we have related experiences perhaps, but we didn't actually have that experience. So it's, it was very important to me to know that, to know that the source of the things that we were talking about, the things we're singing about, they came from a very honest source. So the material was very rich and the material was also very honest. You know, and terrifying because to know that there's 60,000 workers suffering like that and how weird it is, um, even uh, the, the first song, it's always a shock to me every time that I think about that song and how tough it is to actually try to do those things online when you actually don't have the language or don't even have the capacity or um, the resources to learn the language in order to do the, the forms and, and fill out everything. And it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And yet people do it because they need the money.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Is there something you would love for listeners to take away from this all?
0: That's such a great question. Yes, I do. And that is, (laughs) I would say to first be a good listener and also to not be afraid of whatever path you are, you can actually use the resource that you just learned and share this information. You don't need to be an expert in migrant work Issues to start talking about it. I'm just going to do a, a, a very small um, <laughs> a Parenthesis, but I really do believe in energy. I think we all connected in a way So the more we think about things and the more we share things. I think the more um, The wider the broader this web of content or web of ideas the web of synergy <laughs> in action <laughs> uh, But Might happen, you know Today's feature song is one of the newest songs of the song cycle. It's called Pandemic in the Fields and it chronicles what was happening to the seasonal agricultural workers on Canadian farms as a result of COVID-19. Pedro and our Spanish-language dramaturg Daniela Atiencia spoke with Median Garcia Martinez, who was hired last year as a COVID coordinator for agricultural workers on a farm in BC. She worked as a liaison between the farmer and the workers who arrived in the spring.
2: What are your main responsibilities? What is a normal day like for you? What are the types of translations you have to do? What's the day-to-day like for you?
3: Te necesitamos acá para resolver este problema o cómo eh, sí cómo es de pronto el diario vivir o una semana típica para ti.
4: Vale, a ver, es cada día es muy diferente. Entonces un día por ejemplo.
2: Every day is different. For example, the day the workers arrive, they arrive via bus. So I'm there. I wait for them. I welcome them. I explain everything to them, hand them their paperwork and employee handbook. I explain where they will be housed. I give them their bedding, a set of plates, cutlery, and placemat. That's what it looks like when I welcome them. Like the Wally. Last year, with COVID, all of the official announcements posted to the Wali website, or BC, I had to translate all those and put them all over the camps. It being such a different year, I had to make announcements, explaining what COVID was, cleaning standards, all of that. Last year, it was a bit more complicated because I had to give many, many speeches, way more than the year before. Then, if they need something, like talking to their boss, or the boss wants to talk to them, then I help out in those exchanges. So we get together and I act as an intermediary between them and their boss. It's not as much as written translation, but being present for them for when they need me someone to refer to or solve issues if they can't directly communicate with their supervisor.
3: How
2: many workers do you welcome at a time? How do you perceive the workers to feel when they arrive? What kinds of questions do they ask
3: you? me, que hay una variedad de trabajadores en términos de experiencia, que ya han hecho el programa o los que Canadá. cuéntame un poco de cómo es esa interacción con ellos al llegar.
2: Es muy relativo. It varies. Sometimes it's three or ten or two full busloads. Sometimes workers arrive from Mexico and Jamaica at the same time, which is a bit annoying because you have to explain everything in English, then in Spanish. But generally, they want to know when can they do their shopping, if they are allowed to go shopping. The ones who are not new know how the system works They also want to know when they get to go to the bank, where they will live, who will be their boss, when will they begin working. That's the most frequently asked question. Do we start tomorrow? And I usually say, I don't know, because normally they have two to three days where they have to run certain errands, like go to the bank. Last year, the bank accountant was able to do everything online, like opening accounts, And another colleague was in charge of getting them a SIN number. So last year they didn't go run errands, which meant they started work the next day. Those who are not new want to know if they will be living in the same place, if they are going to be with the same boss. But I rarely get brand new workers who are arriving in Canada for the first time
4: y que más, eh... bueno, los que ya han estado antes, pues quieren saber si van a vivir en el mismo lugar, si van a tener un supervisor, y los nuevitos, pues, eh... no sé si me han tocado algún nuevo, nuevo, porque hay muchos que vienen, pero de otra farma a lo mejor, pero así como nuevo, nuevo, primera vez en Canadá, no, no recuerdo, con el programa no recuerdo, con la... astring sí, pero como vienen por alguien entonces ya saben más o menos eh, cómo se se maneja o cómo va el todo el tema ya les explica
3: y Miriam cuando cuando los recibes, por
2: ejemplo, is part of your job also checking the installations and making sure they are ready and equipped for the workers.
3: Eh, me interesa saber si de parte tuya ya hay ciertos reglamentos que tienen que estar establecidos. Es decir, tú también, de tu también es parte de tu trabajo es um, ir a, a visitar estas granjas y asegurarse de que todo está listo para ellos en términos del mantenimiento y la eh que ya esté todo pues listo para recibirlos, eso es parte también de de del conocimiento que tienes o eso
4: es aparte. mis funciones también es que tengan todo,
2: Part of my job is to make sure they have everything, and I'm in charge of assembling a little box with their bedding, a plate, cutlery, and leave it there ready for them. Last year, because of COVID, I had to keep them in my office and hand it to them individually. But last year, I would go first and make sure they had all the cleaning and disinfectant supplies. Plus all the signs posted everywhere about what precautions to take because of COVID, etc. There are lots of camps though, ones that are two hours away. Those that are closer, I have more access to them. But the others, well, each manager is in charge of their area, but they are always in touch with me, saying, Hey, I need 10 boxes with bedding. That includes the plates and cutlery, their cup, everything. So I prepare it and make sure they receive it, or they come to pick it up. Or in this case, I give each worker their little box with their belongings when they arrive
4: que se incluye los platos, los cubiertos, la taza, todo. Entonces yo lo preparo y se lo hago llegar o viene a buscarlo o en este caso pues cuando llegan los trabajadores le doy a cada uno su, su cajita con sus pertenencias.
0: The lyrics of pandemic in the fields also refer to the insecure and often dangerous working conditions that are inherent in the program's design. Friend of the podcast, Byron Cruz is a veteran of the network of activists and outreach workers who work to support immigrants and temporary foreign workers. He is a founding member of Sanctuary Health and currently works with the BC Federation of Labor. Pedro and Byron spoke a few weeks ago about some of the abuses Byron has observed in the course of his work.
5: It's uh, really hard to decide which uh, which stories to tell about what is going on. I can remember the last time that we met, we talked about this um, uh, worker that um, was in one of the farms in Missouri uh, in who uh, was working with tomatoes. He dropped a tomato. The supervisor or the manager came and very mad at him and he told him, I'm not paying you for dropping tomatoes, I'm paying you for picking up tomatoes. And then he punched him on the face. And the worker was really fearful. There were 40 workers at that time. They were they witnessed this. And that they decided as a group not to do any follow-up to this because for them it means not to come back next year and this farm is still acting the same after many years they still do the same Uh, when there are inspections going on they hide it so well if if we ask for an inspection inspection the inspector will come and but they will that is one of the problems with inspections mostly when the inspections are announced then when the when the, when the inspector comes, everything looks neat, everything is clean, the managers and the supervisors are acting so well, right? Then the quantity of camera, cameras going on in the greenhouses, like total abuse of the privacy of the workers, the technology used to control workers. And they sell it as a oh it's a productivity tool to have a to have a GPS system on as a bracelet on your arm and uh, they say oh no it's a productivity tool it's like a pressing uh, a <laughs> like you car the machine when you come at seven o'clock it's not like that it's like they will control how long you take to go to the washroom at the end of the season they add all of these and they say oh it's this work is not productive. We are not bringing this worker next time. Then also in terms of housing, for example, uh, I remember visiting this house where there was flooding going on and all the belongings of the guys were flooding, right? They went to war. When they came back, it was flooding going on. And electrical wires there, right, Risk for fires, right? And then it took eight days. They had to stay eight days with uh, that flooding going on and their belongings flooding everywhere. And um, then you have uh, workers that were repatriated last year because uh, uh, they received the support of Rama. They Rama came to support them at the farm. And then the next day, there were pictures of. Rama coming to support the worker at the, at the farm, and just the fact of uh, speaking up with a with an activist group was enough to repatriate them to to Mexico, right? And um, to them, workers who had to hide their illnesses. A worker from uh, Delta that uh, he had to go to hospital. He was feeling very sick, and he had this. Um, infection that has been very common recently in the downtown inside. And then the health authority had to follow up with the farm. And the farm, instead of supporting the worker with the necessary medications, antibiotics, and things like that, instead of that, the farm owner decided to send him to Guatemala with no medication. We had to send the medication actually to him. Also, they had to hide their illness. Last time there was this worker playing soccer, one of the activities in Delta. He was, uh, uh, we had to take him to the hospital, and he asked the doctor, please don't don't cast my, my leg. I cannot keep my leg cast because the owner will, will uh, he will send me back to Mexico. Then he was with strong pain medication for a few weeks, and every time that he was in front of the, the supervisor, the manager, he had to act normal and he was in extensive pain, right? Also, the during COVID time, the fact that many farms did not allow the workers to to go and get food from the market. They stayed weeks without having access to food. We, we They called the different groups. We had to bring food to the farm and at night, other times where we could bring it. And uh, yeah, lots of abuses going on. That's why when I say my work as an educator is to talk about the rights, I can talk about the rights the rest of my life, but if those rights, if uh, if people don't have a permanent immigration status, a permanent residence, this rights don't mean anything. Because um, the only protection is having a permanent residence. The Thai working permit doesn't allow workers to have freedom at all. No, there's no freedom. That's why at national level, we keep telling the government, you had to do a reform of this program. Open up uh, permanent residence upon arrival. People should have the right to apply for permanent residence. And uh, also workers who have been here, for, there are workers here for 30, 40 years, coming every season. Many of them were never informed that they can ask for a pension when they retire. They were paying, they have been paying 40 years of EI. 40 years of EI. And then, do they ever use that employment insurance? Never. They never use it. This money was taken from them all these decades without returning that to them. We, probably you, probably me, we can have that possibility of going to unemployment and getting that support, but they can't. And recently a group in Quebec tried and they were able to get it as a a result of the support of the unions. But in British Columbia it's really hard. It's really hard for a worker to say, well, I'm not going back to Guatemala or to Mexico as you asked asking me. I'm going to stay and fight for my rights. A few workers will do it. But then EI will start putting barriers, or no, uh, you are not allowed because you don't have enough hours. And then, most likely, they will they will end being undocumented somehow, or with precarious immigration status. And uh, lots of workers end like that because there is no support for them in the province or the country. With COVID, I would say that COVID brought to the surface, to the knowledge of the public, what we already were telling before, but no one paid attention to us. We're saying workers are living in precarious houses. Precarious houses where lots of workers are living in the same bedroom, closer to each other. And... Even in the month of December, there were workers who were really feeling cold. And the control for the heat was with a key. (laughs) Because the the owner didn't want the workers to move that heater, right? And he didn't want to pay more for the heat. Then the fact that 1,500 workers became infected in Ontario last year, it was mainly through the living situation, how they were living. They said, see, they are living in precarious housing situation. It's really good on one side that it became more of a knowledge to people that what was going on. Also, the fact that we have been able to tell the public, well, we have this problem with blacklisting going on of workers who are complaining about the housing situation, workers who are complaining about uh, the farm not following the protocols of keeping the distance in the packing areas, things like that, right? Or not providing personal protection equipment. And um, there is more knowledge about that. The media is constantly constantly reflecting these uh, problems right now. And uh, then the, the different institutions had to do more inspections constantly. The Fraser Health authorities doing more inspections right now. We called we coordinated with the health authorities at the end of last year to inspect the farms where we suspected that the workers. No, we we, we knew that workers were feeling sick, and then they conducted testing, massive testing, and. The, all the farms that we all uh, mm-hmm. told the the freight health authority all the farms have come what i'm saying is that other institutions also like uh, also workers compensation conducting more visits to the farms the federal institution called integrity services integrity services is in charge of uh, they have a phone line where workers can complain. Unfortunately, it was useless. Still, still useless. But at least they they are coming to the meetings right now and saying, "Oh, we, we want to open up and see how we can support better the workers." Uh, they were doing virtual uh, inspections, how do, you do virtual inspection? Can you like? <laughs> asking the owner, could you please show me what the workers live? What you are going to show your best bedroom?
6: that <laughs> what the workers live. Then uh, there's an effort to
5: change that and to do more useful inspections. And uh, also in terms of COVID, it has allowed us to organize in a different way. Like the face-to-face is lonely. But right now, we can't do that right now. And the workers started being heavily using WhatsApp. WhatsApp has been our powerful tool for organizing. And and then Zoom is like, wow. It's like, it was so hard for us to start using Zoom and for the workers to start using Zoom. And we are getting used to it. And uh, we are meeting right now on Sundays with the workers Uh, via Zoom, via WhatsApp. It's amazing. It's like uh, we can access 500 workers with single phone calling or single messages on WhatsApp, right? And immediately getting response. Now, the the workers are trying to have more a voice in terms of telling the federal government what is going on. And that has changed. That has changed and we expect other small gains this year in terms of um, access to to healthcare. And uh, we will uh, keep up uh, with the National Day of Actions and keeping up for the demand of permanent residents. Vaccination is a different issue and very related to COVID Workers being afraid of the testing for COVID because the, what can happen to them in terms of uh, is the company bringing me back next year if I get COVID this time. Uh, if I complain, they might not bring me back. Or not having access to mobile testing for COVID. Mobile testing should be available for workers. And... Um, also for undocumented workers, right? Because undocumented workers might be afraid because the testing site, if you go to the Vancouver Community College testing site, the Vancouver Police Department is at the entrance of the testing site. For an undocumented worker, <laughs> going there, it's impossible, right? Then, uh, And then some of those barriers for being tested are also barriers for vaccinations. Then our recent letter to the federal government We are asking for availability of COVID vaccinations for workers, not as a mandatory. We are asking for availability, but not to be mandatory. We are are asking it as a right.
0: Since Biden spoke with us, the federal government has promised $110 million over three years to help non-governmental agencies better support workers and to ramp up farm inspections. It has also offered a kind of lottery for new permanent residencies, or PRs as they are called, but only a tiny percentage of the seasonal agricultural workers are eligible to apply for very few spaces. Okay, before we hear the whole song, let's eavesdrop in the conversation between Pedro and composer Michelle Cutler as they talk about some of the -the behind-scenes work they went into the song's creation.
1: Hi, Michelle.
7: Hi. All right, pandemic in the fields. We're
1: on the B-side. If you've bought the vinyl, you've now officially flipped (laughs) the album over.
7: over. Or
1: maybe you're just too tired and you just put it back in the sleeve and you'll listen to it later. Eh, Yeah, your your prerogative.
7: So this song, we call it our... Our Les Mis song, although it has doesn't sound at all like Les Mis. <laughs> not not uh, like Les Mis. But um, yeah. it is, so this is another song that was written, obviously, now. It's one of the
1: newest songs I've written. I wrote three new songs for the song cycle.
7: Yeah, this one is the most about COVID, as you'll hear. Um, where do the lyrics come from this one?
1: Again, this one is from a mixture of news articles and quotes. So, so nobody told
7: us what COVID really is, is a quote from a worker. Quote,
1: quote from a worker, Yes. And um, I think a pandemic and what is it spread at any time on a farm is a quote yeah. from from a, for a reporter. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's news article text and a mix of the two. And so I kind of arranged it that way, knowing I wanted to hear some voices of this, not knowing how epic this song was going to be. <laughs> and to be honest, like in rehearsal brought many tears to my eyes for the way you arranged it vocally with, you know, mm-hmm. group stuff to singular AJ singing stuff. And then just pulling away all the instruments at moments. And I feel like this one really pulls me along emotionally. Also where it is in the album, just like you've been hearing all this stuff. And then you, I feel like we really hear the workers' voices in this mm-hmm. one. Like this is one where I I feel like we've added a bit of, like in tennis we add a bit of attitude and like it's a fun, even though it's like a little bit like bitey. Mm-hmm. But this one really is like I feel that emotion in those interviews that were was gotten mm-hmm. in the song.
7: Yeah. Yeah. musically
1: so what's happening here sorry musically? musically what's happening here
7: so a few things i i i don't know we were, i remember we were talking and i wanted to make something that had more bite to it and i, I was writing this thing and i wrote i sent Pedro, this voice memo that was just me being like, Nobody told us what, but in my mind, it was like really belty and, and intense. But I guess the recording that you actually got was probably like, pretty. You were like,
1: cool. Imagine, imagine. And I was like, uh, In my mind,
7: things? I was like, oh, I was imagining all the people and the screen. And, but then it was funny, Pedro's like, Okay, sure. And <laughs> you're like, It sounds really gentle. And I was like, Well, in my mind, I know it's gonna get there. So the first musical thing was that little theme. And then I was listening just listening to some uh, various reference. And I was thinking about the sort of driving guitar, the moving guitar line. And so it's like when I work with guitarists and drummers, because I'm not, I don't play the instrument. Um, really a lot of it is just being, being like, Oh, here's the chords. Here's the kind of vibe I'm going for. So a lot of it was me talking to me. being like, this is kind of, and I'll write stuff out, but it's like not necessarily stuff that is always even physically possible in the guitar. I'm just like, so it's just, that's the idea. That's the idea. And so, uh, the idea of a m- fast-moving line, but with a a solid bass, like a slower.
1: Yeah, I remember you playing specifically when you were talking to the band, you, a Mariachi El Bronx
7: song. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you listen to it, is very like a very completely different song, but it has it has this sort of thing where there's like a lot of fast texture going, but then a really solid beat underneath. So I think that that was that was sort of an inspiration in terms mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. And so we have this sort of more fast-moving guitar line, and then a really even. Bass line and percussion line, and then uh, the sort of vocal part sits on top of that. And so that's where we started with that. I knew that this chorus, nobody told us where COVID, what COVID really is, is like was a very obvious thing as a chorusy thing, and the sort of it it fit really well as a sort of almost call and response kind of kind of feeling. And again, I just I kind of like started from the beginning and just went. And then I realized, oh my god, the song is so long. It's like four and a half minutes long. Uh,
1: uh, on paper, for you at home, this song was seventeen pages. It
7: was seventeen pages of a score. Yeah, it was. It was long, of course, because I'm like, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna have musical breaks. You going to hear that trumpet going? You want to hear the the like drama of it? But I think yeah. The, I just I was like, I know I want to have that sort of angry like it's it's angry and it's also just like what the fuck which is in a certain way and i remember like asking being like is it okay that because this is not just only what workers have been experiencing this is what everyone has been experiencing and there isn't really an answer of course no one told any of us what COVID is no one we're all sort of lost and confused and freaked out and is that okay that it's not that it could be sort of interpreted as everyone's been dealing with that Mm -hmm. um
1: yeah, I remember that discussion about being like, "Is it okay that we have this lyric?" Because you know, we all don't didn't know what COVID was. I was like, I, "Yeah," and, and talking around that, what that meant, and and being like, "But like, it is very important that they were also not in their home country."
7: Yeah, and that the protections, you know, were not there, and the the risk is so much higher in so many of those situations. Mm-hmm. Also, like a a bit of a catharsis, right? A bit of a chance to be like, "What the fuck? What's yeah. going on in the world?" And what are what. It's all so hard, and it's so magnified when yeah, when you're not at home, when you're not with your family, when you're trying to also continue having to continue working, and
1: and I remember talking with Daniela Atencia, Mm -hmm. who was my Spanish language dramaturg because uh, I'm bilingual, I speak Spanish, but I grew up in Northern BC, and so my proficiency isn't what it is should be or could be. I shouldn't say should be, could be, (laughs) um, just because. it was just my family, right? There were no other Spanish speakers within a thousand kilometers, right? <laughs> at In the time. So, but I remember when we were going over the lyrics I'd written, I shared it with you and Daniela was talking about like, yeah, there's like, these songs just have a, I'm like, I got mean. Mm. And she's like, yeah, you got mean. And I was like, <laughs> after four years of reading about this, I think going into this as an artist, I think I was afraid of the community always telling me, you know, who the fuck are you to be doing this? Like, stay out of our business and then meeting you know Byron meeting Rocco meeting the talking to the folks in the mm-hmm. Okanagan doing this talking to the workers in Mexico who we we zoomed in we whatsapped recorded I had to like boot up different operating systems on a computer to make sure we got <laughs> the recordings and that they were all just kept saying they're happy that someone's talking about this and I realized that I was too gentle uh, in protecting people's feelings here in Canada mm-hmm. and maybe when we go do the show that'll come out a lot more but I was fucking fed up Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe it was the quarantine maybe it was being locked inside and this was my like yeah you're right like this is the big fuck you what the fuck
7: yeah i mean it's not even fuck you because it's not no but i think that attitude
1: wise that i was like i don't care if we're mean now
7: well and for me it's also just i I, it's it's just a frustration right it's it's a lot and and again like i think it's so interesting musically i feel like this one also veers like it's certainly not authentically any sort of style it's like kind <laughs> it's of your style it's a little little more theatery it's a little more rock sometimes mm-hmm, like there's mm-hmm. i don't know there's lots of things that are going on but it is i think that the one thing about this song although like i think we got a really awesome recording of it is that it's the impact of a live of listening to it live is really different and we had on our last day of rehearsal in we invited kathleen hi kathleen
1: and daniela and, uh, hi daniela
7: ah, hi daniela to listen because we were like we gotta have just like one little kind of not non-performance to finish this off so because we're never we may never have this exact group of people doing this thing again we don't know so we did the whole thing it was 40 minutes of of music for them in the room and this song particular was very impactful and i think that there's a there's a something about the live performance of this that's really special and that I um i hope we we captured a lot of that but I, I think that it really lives in that that onstage thing
1: mm-hmm. yeah this is one that I doesn't exist in the play yet but no we'll be rewriting the play to put it in yeah all right so yeah pandemic in the fields
7: yeah here it is
6: It really is. We deserve
0: to be treated better. Our
6: families expect us to come back home. Nobody told us what COVID really is. Treat us better. What's gonna
0: For listening, obrigado, muchas gracias. I've enjoyed sharing this time with you. Next week, we'll get to hear one of the catchiest songs in the cycle. Mm hmm. Prepare for a near warm. Cheap eats, cheap labor, the hidden human cost. Made in Canada, an agricultural podcast, was written by Pedro Chamale. This week it was hosted by me, Mateo Severo. It is edited and co-produced by Kathleen Flirty and is produced by Derek Chan and Howard Dye of Rice and Beans Theatre. Spanish translation by our Spanish dramaturg, Daniela Atientia. Thanks to Playwrights Theatre Center and to today's guests, Miriam Garcia Martinez, Byron Cruz, and Michelle Cutler. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the funders and donors who made the Song Cycle possible. The Canada Council for the Arts, the BC Arts Council, the province of British Columbia, and the city of Vancouver. You can find out more about the podcast and Made in Canada, an Agricultural Song Cycle, or support us and purchase the album at micsongcycle.ca. That's micsongcycle.ca. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we wouldn't say no to you recommending us or your friends. Bye-bye.